The Dark Art Society podcast covers a variety of important and contemporary issues, including dark art as well as other kinds of art, literature, film, music, also culture, philosophy, dreams, paranormal experiences, magic, and a whole lot more than that. I'm Mike Carell, director of Chet's Art, I Like to Paint Monsters, and you are listening to the Dark Art Society podcast, hosted by renowned artist Chet Zar. Hello, Mike. Hey, Chet, what's up? Oh, not too much. Just sitting down to do this podcast with you. Yeah, so this is, uh, we're getting into it a good ways now, it's fun. Yeah, well, yeah we've uh, posted our first episode at this point, and we've been getting great reviews, and people seem to dig it, so... If you like it, give it a share. Spread the word. And, and let people know that you can found, find us on the SoundCloud, obviously, soundcloud.com forward slash darkartsociety. But you can also find us on iTunes as mm-hmm. well. And you just search under the store for us, just Dark Art Society under the store, and we'll pop right up. But we're also on Stitcher now, and we're also on PodBay, and last but not least, we're on YouTube. Yeah, So, but it seems like, I mean, we launched it on you know Wednesday, and we're going to be doing it every Wednesday, and... All the feedback has been really positive so far, which is, you know, encouraging and exciting because you don't really know how, you know, you and I are just talking like we always do. So yeah. you never know how it's going to translate to an audience. So right. it's, it's fun that, and encouraging that people are enjoying it. Yeah, we're just trying to do, make it as interesting as possible, you know. And uh, make, I think we both discussed we, we want it to be something we, we would want to listen to. So Absolutely. You want to explain your nasal, nasaliness? Sorry, I cut you in the middle of a drink. Yeah, I'm a. I, I'm having some pretty brutal allergies this morning, so just bear with. I, you know, I actually have kind of a nasally voice in general, but uh, hey, you sound it's better. More nas- you sound better. What's that? You sound better than when I talked to you this morning on the phone already. Yeah, it, it takes about an hour. I don't know. I've never had allergies this bad, and it's definitely seasonal allergies. But I'm getting through it. So, but I just wanted to mention it to people because I am a little stuffed. He hasn't been crying or anything. <laughs> Chet, Chet hurt my feelings. I bawled my eyes out. So anyway, today we were thinking about talking about uh, paranormal phenomenon and things like that, ghosts and spirits or whatever you want to call it. Right, right. And, and Chet and I both had a lot of experiences. So again, this is, I think it's important to mention that, you know, the way that we're doing this is very conversational and organic. And as you've experienced, if you've already listened to it, if this is your first time tuning in, uh, you know, we just tell stories, really. The, the storytelling aspect is a big part of what we're doing here, just sharing experiences and basically following that trail wherever it leads us. Yeah. So let's talk about some of that stuff. Where do we well, you begin? Know, I think we should begin with the experience that you and I had here at my house. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you should tell it because you're so much better at speaking than me. <laughs> you're getting a lot better. I, was, I actually just mentioned to someone yesterday that after doing these podcasts that I've noticed because obviously I'm editing or at least mastering. I'm not really – I guess for, other, for the people out there too, this is interesting. We're not really editing these. I mean when I say that – I'm going through and I'm I'm mastering the audio levels, but we're not really cutting anything out. So. Uh, yet. yet. <laughs> it's because we haven't said anything to cut out yet. <laughs> I don't even know why I was even saying that to begin with. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so the story the yeah. story was basically an experience that happened to Chet. And, oh, I, the reason I said that was because I was saying that I've been listening to you as I edit oh, them right. and that you you are getting better at speaking. So, yeah. Ta-da. I noticed it too. It must have been nerves maybe because it doesn't seem like you would – get that much better within four podcasts or three podcasts. But I do notice that I'm saying, uh, um, and then these long pregnant pauses. 
for no reason. It's better to have it's better to have the pause than than you know the filler. Right. We, we've talked about that. You've been yes. using it, so it's it's useful. But I've been doing even less of the pausing too, so I'm I'm happy with it. I'm happy with it too. Okay, so the story, guys. <laughs> so here's what happened. Chet was here in New Mexico. We were filming for the documentary, and this would have been in 2014. We had we had done a lot of editing. We were in post production at that stage, and so we were ultimately trying to get some pickup shots that would fill out the story and give a little bit more credence to some of the areas where we were lacking material. So Chet was here at my house in New Mexico and we have this warehouse next door and I was using it for filmmaking at the time. It's it's actually not my warehouse, but it was next door to my house. And so it's a filmmaking area. So we got all set up over there and this, this warehouse is, is haunted. I mean, I, I just, there's no other way to put it, really. Yeah. I mean, I've had a bunch of haunting experiences over there. You know, like the music, specific music, like a consistently certain bands, you'll put it on and it'll turn off or it'll change to a completely different band. There's specific bands. There's a variety of just very bizarre experiences, sensations of presences, hearing weird sounds, seeing, you know, kind of shadowy figures out of the corner of your eyes, a variety of different experiences. Well, anyway, I had told Chet, I had said, you know, just so you know, we call him old man. And because I I typically end up naming, you know, whomever, whatever, I don't really know what it is. But, you know, I started referring to him, it as old man. So I would come into the warehouse and every day I do. In fact, when I go over there and I say, hey, old man, how's it going? And when I leave, I say, see you later, old man. You know, it's just (laughs) my thing. So Chet and I are over there getting ready to record. Or no, we we had been recording for actually (laughs) – We'd been recording for an extended period of time, and you were pretty frustrated, I think, at that point. Because we were, we were basically like I was trying to fill in these gaps, but we were doing it very interview-like still. So you were talking to me, and I was asking you to say, "Tell me stories," and then you would have to say them over and over, and you kept, you know, making mistakes and getting frustrated. Uh, Right? Yeah, I do remember that. (laughs) I do remember that. (laughs) You were having to like repeat these stories over until the point where you'd get so mad that you'd say it perfectly because you'd be so frustrated. Because, <laughs> like you said, when you get frustrated, yeah. you'll speak really well. Yeah. You get so frustrated with you, be like, "All right, this is the one," <laughs> and then you just do it and roll it out. So we were we were doing these interviews anyway, and at a given point in time, we're sitting there, and all of a sudden, Chet goes, <gasps> and he like turns his head to the side, and I'm like. And I and, and now here's the odd thing is at the exact same time I what I heard was it sounded like there was a high pitch frequency in the room that was like go like like ee, like you know ringing in your ears but it sounded like it was in the room and Chet and I so I look at Chet and I'm like what'd you hear you know and he was like oh, that was weird I heard like a chain dragging across the yeah. floors classic and what I heard, classic ghost sound <laughs> yeah right and he and it was enough that he really you know had a shocked reaction. And so, but I had heard this frequency change. So the the end of that story, the you know the appendix, I guess, is that later when I was finalizing the film and I was actually putting together the final cut and the bonus features, we I found the area where it happened, and I and you can hear it. You can actually hear that frequency thing I was talking about. If you you know, it's, we put it in the bonus features, right? And so Chet's and it basically Chet's talking about st- uh, influences that he had. He talks. I think you talk about Barlow in there, don't you? Probably. Uh, yeah, or was remember. it Rosetta? Anyway, there there were some Brom. people that. Yeah, Brom, right. Mm-hmm. There were some people he had left out, or we had left out, rather, of the film, just in order to conserve and really kind of hit the key people. I think you talk about Bek- Bekshinsky, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, 
bonus feature track and he's talking about these people and that was when this scene happens and we caught it and so I included it in the bonus features so if you get I like to paint monsters you have an opportunity to watch it and check out the bonus features when you see the haunting scene where you know Chet and I experienced this just put on some earphones because you'll hear it you'll hear the frequency thing change I've, I've actually played it for a variety of people and you can see the expression in Chet's face and hear the hitch in his voice I mean it's great because he really had a full reaction <laughs> and so did I we did it simultaneously but we heard yeah. completely different things which is kind of the wild part yeah that was a trip that was pretty creepy too it was in the middle of the night i believe right really late yeah it was late and i live you know i live way out in the country i live yeah. like it's creepy. half an hour from a small town i live an hour from a big town so we're way out in the middle of the desert you know and, and then new we're mexico. in this big warehouse yeah new mexico is trippy already you know there's the vibes there bounce yeah, off the land cliffs. of enchantment yeah so we and then then it's a gigantic creepy warehouse too on right. top of that yeah 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 that, that was cool that was that well, was then, pretty cool to ca- capture it on film as well you know right when 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 do you have that chance you know and yeah. it wasn't like you know we're paranormal enthusiasts we're like trying to go out and record ghosts yeah, or right that's when they, they never come when you do that you know every time you try it's always when you're not looking or not expecting it so then there's a little bit more to that story that I learned later, and that is that the man who owned this whole strip of property where I live, and then there's also some neighbors, the warehouse, so on and so forth. This man's name, uh, I better not say it, but anyway, there, I know the guy's name now, and he owned this whole strip of land, and he was out here, and he was irrigating, and I talked to the person who watched him die, and he literally fell dead in the field, like absolutely, and he saw it, th- this guy who's a local, because he'd come to my garage sale, and he told me, he's like, oh, did you know so-and-so, and I'm like, no, and he's like, oh, yeah, he died right up there, and I'm like, whoa, really? <laughs> so it turns out that he lit- that guy did really, literally, because we knew that it had been owned by a guy who who had passed away and his daughter, daughter had taken over the property, broke it up, sold it. But we didn't know that he died here on this property. Wow, yeah. And, so, and I've been calling him old man. Well, he was an old man when he died right. and he died right here on this property. <laughs> so I watched him hit the ground and die. So it was real, like another piece to the puzzle, you know, like, wow, okay. There's a little more validation for the fact that these experiences are not just subjective, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, that, that kind of reminds me of <clears throat> my childhood. Um, we, all of our houses were, I've mentioned this in the documentary too, um, all, I, I think we lived in two houses when I was a kid, two different houses. And uh, now I know we did lived in two houses. I was a baby during the uh, first house. But um, both of them had really crazy haunting stories from my family. I was too young to remember most of them. But uh, the second house where I grew up, there was a lot of sightings of uh an old man that was wearing like a a sea captain's hat he's like a naval guy this old man um even my mom's friend came over and saw him one time i think he was there with a little boy standing in the kitchen or something but uh it turned out that this guy named tom horn i think his name was 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 the guy that owned the house before us and he was a naval captain or something and uh we had so many things happen we had uh i'm trying to think of all the the stories in that house i don't remember if they're in that house or the old house but there was you know the door kept opening and one of these kind of things the door kept opening to this one room and um the story goes that they they put uh, my family put like a a chair or boxes or something behind the door to try and keep it closed just to kind of 
I don't know why they were doing it, just to see if it was still open. And then we left and then came back and the door was open and the stuff was moved. My sister, the classic uh, story, my sister getting poked with knitting needles uh, when she was sitting and just sitting in a room and she got all mad at my mom and thought my mom did it, you know, but she she uh, didn't. <laughs> uh, there, there was a time, I remember actually when I was... <clears throat> probably 12 or 13 my mom told me that she went to go she was she had some folded clothes and she was going to put them in my brother's room and she walked in his room and opened the door and she thought it was my brother shut the door on her and said sorry like she saw this hand shut the door and say sorry and um and then she she walked back down the hall and my brother came in the front door which is a pretty freaky one. <laughs> Not to- yeah, that's that's a, that, I mean that that for some reason even though it's so mundane. That's kind of kind of why it's so creepy. You yeah, know totally. what I mean? Like again, it's like almost like the, the it was a disguise. Like it was disguising itself somehow as like somebody else in the mundane way. Like a uh, you know a sibling that would just say you know right, like right. that person in the room exactly. Yeah, it wasn't some big. Uh, it was completely completely mundane. And I think I mentioned in another podcast, if we get that one up first, that uh, one one time as teenagers we were doing uh, playing the Ouija board, and my mom the next day saw a black figure looking at her, like peeking around the corner and looking at her, just creepy as hell. I mean, there's so many of them though. It's just a matter of thinking of them all. It was it was a constant thing in our house. It was just like, ooh. There's one now. That's a, that's a scary dog. <laughs> that's Doc. The monster. <laughs> yeah. But, well, yeah. you know, my first. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no, I was just gonna say. Uh, there's. It, it was. It was really a part of everyday life. No one was really that freaked out about it. Uh, it was. It was seriously. It was all the time. It was. It was so weird and cool. And my mom was kind of into it. You know, she was totally uh, fascinated by it. No one was ever really scared about it, you know, which was a pretty cool environment to be raised in. But my sister saw a lot like of stuff, it, too. Jimmy said, though, it was funny because in the documentary, Jimmy even says that, like, when the poster got ripped off the wall, that everybody else acted all, <laughs> all right. Acted all like, la dog But he was like, I'm getting out of here. Well, he, like, left because it scared him, you know. He was new to the family then, you know. He's my stepdad, <laughs> so we were all used to it. We grew up with it. <laughs> right. Well, it, you know, it makes you wonder – in some ways, if those kinds of things are really just, lo- you know, uh, attached to a specific location or if they are somehow attached to certain people, because obviously yeah. it was an experience that you, all your family members had and you moved to multiple houses and you continue to experience those right. things. Yeah. Well, you know, my sister was always very, I don't know if you want to call call it psychic or attuned or whatever, but my sister and my mom both would hear voices and, and, and you know, hear their names called once in a while it's like they definitely had they'd have precognitive dreams and it was sort of common so they both had that kind of psychic gift i think so it could have been them but my brother had experiences i had experiences um so but but it was definitely the the women were the kind of the the, the magnet i believe you know yeah that's interesting that's really interesting yeah yeah I mean, I can't think of. I can't think of any I had at that house, other than one time I was feeling like something was at my door, and the and the handle of the door started kind of rattling a little bit, and it really freaked me the hell out. But um, 
God. I'll think you, you, you can maybe tell another story. I'll think of another one. Well, I, I, a yeah, I mean, I'm, I have so many. Oh, of them. I, I like, yeah, tell stupid. your, tell your weird, I like, I love your weird wheel bike. Yeah. I'll tell <laughs> you, so I'll, cool. I'll tell that one, but I want to tell, I want to tell my first time I ever saw ghost okay, first yeah. because I, I, the first time I ever saw it, my sister saw it too at the same time. And it was actually at my grandfather's funeral. So okay. I was six, six years old. And that would have been my sister, 10. And we were, my grandfather had passed away. And that was my first experience with death as well mm. as, you know, as a young person. And I, and I knew him. I mean, he, you know, six years old. So you have, you know, you see that person however often. So, yeah, you know, you know them and they're part of your life. Mm. He didn't live in the same town as me. So we only saw him, you know, every couple months. But nevertheless, it was pretty profound. So anyway, we're at the funeral. And I remember as a little kid, like everyone was crying. And I remember this is kind of just a sideline, but I like wasn't sad. I couldn't figure out why everybody was crying. And I like felt like I needed to like put it on. Like I needed to fake sadness somehow to like fit in. (laughs) It was weird. Anyway, we're sitting there and I, (laughs) right. No kidding. (laughs) So, uh, we're sitting there and I, I look up and the, the casket was in front of us you know, in front of the whole, I guess the best way to describe it is there were a bunch of chairs, folding chairs that were set out in rows and they went back and there was a, an open air wall behind us. So it was like wind kind of blowing in. And so the coffin was in front of the whole group and there was an orator at a podium next to it, to the right hand side of it. And then there's the coffin there on the left hand side. And in front of the coffin, it was an open casket. And on the fr- in front of it was like a sheer curtain that was hanging down, kind of separating that coffin from the viewers, mm. the people that were you know sitting on their folding chairs. But it was a, like a, a sheer curtain. So you could see through it. You could see the coffin and everything behind it. And the wind was blowing a little bit. So the, the curtain was shifting a little bit. It was kind of swaying and swinging in the, brand, or in the breeze. And we're listening to the people talk and I'm sitting there with my sister and all of a sudden I look over and I swear I my grandfather, exactly how he looked, even wearing the suit that he was in that day in the coffin, sits up in the coffin. Oh, but it's like classic – it's like classic ghost style where like I could see through him. Like he, oh, wow. his, it looked – Look just like him. Like he sat up at the waist so his legs would have been out straight and he's just sitting up on his butt and he – but you could see through him. Yeah, I could see the wall through him, but I could also see him. And so it was real go- you know, ghostly, classically ghostly. And I was like, whoa. And I looked over at my sister, and her eyes are huge. And she's staring at the oh, exact wow. same spot. So, yeah. <laughs> That's freaky. And I'm like – and then the weird thing was he turned. And when I was a kid, my one of my memories of my grandfather is that he would sit in this leather chair. We would go and visit, and we'd hop in his lap on this leather chair. Remember the smell of the chair and everything? And he had this glass jar of jelly beans. And he would let us pick out some jelly beans. So that's like my key memory for my grandfather. So he's sits up and then he turns towards me and my sister and he has his hand as if he's holding a jar of jelly beans, but there's nothing in his hand. And he just turns and like holds it out to us. Oh, like, wow. you know, here, have a jelly bean, but there's nothing in his hand. It was so weird. And I'm just, I mean, like I'm, I'm six, like I said, but I had been having as you know, if the dream, one comes out before this. Obviously, been having pretty creepy experiences for three years at least at that point, right. or two and a half. <laughs> but so, but the, here's the thing: was was it was not scary. What I felt in that moment, and I I hold it to this day. What I felt in that moment was actually a sense of pure peace and ease, like basically the sensation that nothing can ever bad can really ever happen to you. That mm-hmm. we're timeless. That like death means nothing. And that there's nothing to be afraid of and that it's just love. Everything is love. Like that's the – that was how I felt and I didn't have the words for it at the time. Right. That was 
felt in that experience. So then later, of course, my sister and I are like, we got together and I was like, did you see that? You know, and she was like, and then she starts telling me things that I wasn't saying that she had seen that corroborated the wow. things I had seen. She was like, he sat up at the waist and I was like, oh my God, you know, and I was like, did he hold his hand out? She was like, just like he was going to give us jelly beans. Oh my know? God. So she saw the whole entire thing. That's I don't crazy. know if anybody else saw it. And then he, and here's the thing is after he did that, he just pulled his arm back in and he just laid back down and what like into himself, you know? So that's my first ghost experience. That's a good one. That's creepy as hell. That's cool though. And it wasn't creepy really, you know, and that, that's. That's such a great point, too, that, you know, having that sense of peace and that there is no death, really, because I've had that experience uh, other times in my life that didn't have anything to do with ghosts, you know, and uh, wouldn't it be amazing if we could all just realize that there's no death and there's nothing to be afraid of? Oh, what a relief that that would be. But it's so hard to feel that way, (laughs) to feel that, even though so so many of us know it's true, you know? Yeah. Well, and it's and the thing is, is like I guess the you know to take it one step further, there is death. Obviously, our body is going to die. We're going to die. But the idea or the feeling again, it's not even an idea. The feeling that I got from that happening as a kid that's way before language has really trapped you, you know, mm-hmm. was. This sensation that, yeah, you know what? You're going to die just like your grandpa died. But the thing that is your grandfather is never going to actually go away. Just like the thing that is you will never go away. Right. You may you may disintegrate into a million pieces and be reintegrated in a million ways. But, it, you know, energy is neither changed or is neither made nor destroyed. It only changes form. And that was the feeling, was that sensation that energy is not destroyed and it is not made, but that in fact it just changes form. And this is just another permutation of that formlessness. And that's, you know, in many ways diametrically opposed to how we in the Western world perceive things, which is it's all about form, you know, right. as opposed to some of the, you know, the Buddhist traditions and things like that where it's about formlessness or the realization of such things. Right, yeah. Yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard to keep that in your consciousness at all times, but uh, I I feel like I absolutely know that that's true, and and you know I, I know that you you don't claim to know, and I don't claim to know what ghosts are, or you know for sure or whatever. But I mean, I that's why I, I feel like I would be I would definitely be an atheist if I hadn't experienced all this stuff, you know, because I, I I'm very sympathetic to the atheist cause. Um, but I just can't call myself an atheist because I'm not, because I, I, I've experienced these things, you know, and, and when you experience yeah. them, you know, it's one of those things that sounds so lame, but, but it's so true. And, and you talk sounds to other people, yeah, yeah, sure. you talk to other people that have had these experiences, you just know, you get a feeling of knowing that is beyond proof or anything, you know, it's a real deep thing. It's really heavy. Yeah, and, and I and I'm I'm with you. I mean, I can really I can relate and appreciate pretty much multidisciplinary. Uh, if you were to take a multidisciplinary outlook on religion and spirituality, I think that all of them are really fascinating, and I can totally get why people would believe in them. And I think that they all share, co- you know, some very basic commonalities and basic truths, which they're all just using different parables to right. dignify for us. But for different cultures that apply to different. Yeah. Cultures. Ab- 
Absolutely, and different and, and different cultures that existed in different historical time frames. So there were a lot of different circumstances and pressures during different time right. frames. You know, I mean, before refrigeration, you definitely were not just keeping some fish laying around unless it was drying <laughs> in the sun. Right. Know? But uh, I, I think that. The, but the point for me that I was going to make is that just insofar as you can't ascribe to being an atheist, I can't ascribe to being anything. I mean, I can't. People ask me all the time, "Well, what are you?" And it's like, I, I'm, I'm me. I don't know. I. Yeah. I I'm not a pagan. I'm not an atheist. I'm not a Christian. I'm not, but I'm not, not those things either. That's the thing. So I can't, I I just don't ascribe to title on that. I just won't play the title game when it comes to that. Cause there isn't a title for whatever it is that I am. Cause it's constantly changing anyway. If I'm open-minded, then I am in the pursuit of knowledge and learning, which means that more information comes in. Well, then inevitably that should change your outlook. So Mm -hmm. you should really be kind of evolving your outlook consciously and consistently throughout the duration of your life. How could you ever say you're one thing? That means you're closed off to all this other stuff. Right. Yeah, I agree. I feel the same way. Um, I, 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 I don't know. I guess people would say they would say people like us traditionally would say I'm spiritual, but not religious kind of is is the is the cliche answer but you know that's kind of true but then again you know when you get into spirituality that's a label itself which has connotations to it so you know one thing martin ball uh this guy i'm a a big fan of his work who does a lot of uh dmt research and, and energy work and stuff he uh one thing he says about religions in in uh What's his book? Being Being Human, which is a really great book you should get. Um, that it's actually a lot of all religions, he says, um, do the opposite. Ultimately, if they don't take you to that place, they, well, he doesn't even make that distinction. He's pretty harsh when it comes to that. He's like, they, you know, they actually reinforce the ego. You know, because you get into this dogma and you get into uh, uh, belief systems, you know, and any kind of belief system is really kind of a, actually enforces, reinforces your ego rather than liberates you from it, which is what we, I think we, you and I, I know, believe is, is, is what the intention of religion, you know. Certainly, certainly. And I think it's interesting, too, that <clears throat> now that, Things are changing so fast all the time. This is like a new world culture or in different countries, it's different cultures, but it's, we're all so connected. It's almost like there's a, there's this big culture that is changing so fast that there are no myths or beliefs that totally fit it, you know? So we're kind of floating aimlessly with nothing to believe in, which is a trip. I agree. And in a way, I think that's why everything's so fucked up. You know, it's like myths did kind of keep uh, and spiritual beliefs for different cultures did kind of p- keep people in order to some degree, you know? Oh, so, yeah. Well, I mean, there's a reason. Yeah, it's it's not it's certainly not arbitrary that, you know, r- religion has been directly involved in the vast majority of the political regimes that have existed time immemorial. Right. Uh, but it's funny the way I was raised, which was kind of liberal christian maybe but more new agey um i i mean christian values and ethics and stuff but not heavy on the jesus you know more like heavy on the teachings be good and and that sort of thing and uh but i never that's why i never had a problem with the word god or i really never had a problem with 
Christianity or any religion until I started growing up and seeing how people were some of these, you know, people that call themselves Christians were the biggest assholes around and the most judgmental people around. Um, but, you know, I was raised in this environment where every, every, uh, I don't know, we, every, everybody was respected, you know, for their own beliefs, I suppose. But anyway, yeah, I, oh. I can relate to that. That's kind of how it was for me too. My yeah, parents didn't yeah. push anything on us. Right. Like I always say, my exposure to Christianity was Jesus Christ Superstar. That was our big thing. We'd watch every Easter. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's great. I remember watching that too. In fact, as a child. <laughs> uh, so, what about your your bicycle spirit? <laughs> oh, bicycle spirit! You want me to I jump just, all the way to that one? You well, really you, like you that can one. you can go on to another one because I think you have more than I do. Um, well, I definitely have some. I guess, it, but I just I'm, think that one is so weird and cool. I'm gonna tell it because you're all excited about yes, it. So I, I, there's no reason not to tell it. You know, <laughs> I don't. I'm not a linear thinker anyway. So let's just go out of order. Do it. Um, I the, the bicycle one is really weird, and I, I call it a bicycle thing just because it just like that's the only way I could even possibly describe it. But here's the scenario. So I woke up one morning. I used to work, as I mentioned before, in casinos for many years. And so I was on call and had to get up early and was there a lot. I was in management. And so it was, it was, a, it was really just kind of miserable work. But it allowed me the time to do my creative work on the side and not have to get – basically do other people's creative work to get paid. So I was – it was early. It was really early. It was dark out still. It was like – I want to say it was like 5 in the morning, 4.30 in the morning or something. And I got up to go out and have a cigarette on my porch and have my coffee and I live way out here, as I mentioned before, in the country. And so when you're sitting on my front porch, it's a covered porch. And there's kind of like a little couch thing to sit on and like a wicker couch thing. And then there's – in front of it is an area where there's a dog yard and it's just like a fenced area that's kind of desertous. And then there's a driveway just beyond that. And that driveway is basically you know, running uh, east to west in front of me. And on the right-hand side of it is where that warehouse is that I mentioned before. And on the left-hand side, that driveway goes all the way up to the road. And there's nobody out here. It's just us. And so I'm sitting out there. And it was just, again, it, was, it seemed like it came out of the middle of nowhere. But I'm just like sitting out there. I'm smoking my cigarette, having my coffee. And all of a sudden, I just see out of the left-hand side of my vision this thing. And it looked like it was flying. But the best way to describe it is it looked like a, a bicycle that's up on its back wheel and the other wheel is above it, so it's you know it's sticking up vertically in the air, and so it's like driving on its back wheel with the other wheel up above it, and it's like driving just right right down the driveway in front of me, like whoosh, and it just goes right in front of me, and these wheels are like I, I say wheels, I can't really say that they were wheels, that's just my best description, but they're like turning, they're like spinning. And this thing looked like the best way to describe it would be like mechanical, but also kind of like like if you were to take like a, a grasshopper or a cricket or something and make it super huge and then cross it into like hybridize it into a bicycle. <laughs> it was so creepy and it looked really skeletal. Like that was the other wow. thing was that it looked like it looked like bones. It looked what, like it was made out of bones. What color was it? It was like a silvery grayish white. Mm. And it looked it looked like uh, it looked mechanical, but it also looked organic. Like but bio, it looked like a biomechanical, like a Giger. Uh, no, no, totally not like that. I don't know how to describe In, it. Like insectoid. It didn't. It didn't look like it was one thing that when I say hybridized, it didn't look like it was like one distinct thing and another distinct thing that had been crossed together and had retained certain specific characteristics, but rather a complete melding of 
you know, a ridiculously large insect and a bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I love that story. Like, like almost to the point that like, you know how they did the thing in the fly where, you know, he <laughs> Brundlefly eventually comes out in this like ridiculous mass of like, just doesn't make any sense right. anymore what he turned into. That's kind of how this thing looks. But it has like, it had like an autonomy to it. It had like a, I don't know. It was it was held together. It had very specific parameters and form to it, and it just goes across in front of me, and it looked again like silvery, kind of wet, white, like bones, and these wheels are spinning, like like spinning, and then there's all, and it was all the whole thing was moving really. When I think about it, it wasn't just these wheels spinning, but the wheels had something to do with the locomotion of it. Huh. It was totally otherworldly. Like I, I say all those things to try to identify it at least so people can envision something. But it doesn't really look like any of those things either. It's hard to describe. And it, there was a freaky feeling too. Oh, it was yeah. like – yeah. It, it was like it, it totally when I saw it, my, I, I felt that, you know, like your guts kind of lift and you're like, <gasps> like, oh my god. you know. And I, it was scary. It felt cold. It was like a super oh, cold wow. – wet energy and it just like zoomed past and it was gone it was all it just looked like it was like for one second i saw this thing that was just like riding down the driveway that like it does it all that time like <laughs> you just don't see it any of the other time and it know? was windy right was yeah it was super windy and was it it's going with windy. or against the wind that's a good it question. was going against the wind really i didn't that's, know that that's right because the, the wind, wind comes off those yeah, mountains yeah what a the trip. wind comes the Wind's always blowing, basic, more or less, basically blowing northeast, mm-hmm. and it was going due due west. So mm-hmm. it was going straight into the direction of the wind. That's even cooler. It was creepy, and I mean, and I don't get creeped out terribly easily, and I didn't feel threatened. I wasn't like, oh my god, you know. But I did the next day do some smudging. I took some sage uh-huh. out and stuff, just because it did feel like it felt like it had awareness. It felt like it had sentience I, somehow. Did, did have- I don't know. Do you think it had awareness of you? No. Oh, or may, well, <laughs> I don't know. Good question. I guess I, I answered that too quickly. Did it have awareness? Or of did me? you? I guess I guess you didn't feel that it had awareness of you. I, here's what I felt. I felt that if it did have awareness of me, it was indifferent to me entirely. Yeah, it was care. not. It was doing something else. It was going somewhere to do. Or I don't know. That's weird to say too. But it was just. <laughs> it was going somewhere anyway. But uh, just yeah, passing and then, through. What's interesting is that's in this, you know, that we've got the old man over at the warehouse, but this was not old man. This was what I've come to call now the wind spirits because the wind spirits, we've had a variety of very strange go rounds with. So, yeah, so that's the, the weird, the weird thing I saw here. And, and all the other thing to note was that again, this was like in the morning I was, I, you know, I was having coffee and a cigarette. And so of course I was like on the edge of sleep still. I wasn't like entirely awake, but I guarantee that it was not like, a vision that was like fogged in from some dream. Right. It was definitely it absolutely happened as clear as a car or a bicycle driving by in front of me. I love that story because it's so such an abstract thing, you know. It wasn't the classic ghost, more of a spirit, I suppose. Rather, than I don't know. A, yeah, <laughs> it, it was. That's a real weird thing. I don't really know what to what to call that. I mean, or even what it. I mean, I like to try to think about what these things would be. It's not that I'm opposed to, you know, thinking yeah. about what they are, where they come from, or how that works. But with that, I just, I mean, with like, you know, old man, it makes sense. Like, okay, I'm following, you know, following the lineage of the story, learning these new pieces. And oh, okay, it makes sense that he'd be there. But this thing, I don't know. I just, there's nothing else. I've had no other gives with it. That's yeah. really my only experience with it. What a trip. Well, 
I, yeah, that's that's the favorite, my favorite story of yours of of a ghost. But you hadn't heard my you hadn't heard my grandpa's story. Evidently, it seemed like because you, well, you seemed like you had heard it. I, I as you were telling it, I kind of remembered it, but I forgot about I basically forgot about the whole jelly bean thing and that your sister saw it. And it's pretty amazing, pretty amazing. Yeah. I, I I've got uh I mean my I've got my one big ghost story that I can tell that I told on the transgression podcast, I think on the ghost episode they did. Uh, but I didn't tell it very well. I don't think, but I can tell that one if you want. Cause that's yeah, pretty, absolutely. pretty much all I got except for family stories. Um, so yeah, there's a whole long story that goes along with it, but I'll just get to the ghost part. There's a lot of other really weird things that maybe we'll get into on another podcast. But if you if you saw I like to paint monsters, uh, we, I talked about this period in my life around 1987 where I started getting into all this stuff big time with uh, my wife and uh, a friend of mine. They were both friends at the time. We were just three friends doing a Ouija board and and you know having sp- spiritual adventures, I guess you'd call call it. And one of these adventures took us up to Yosemite National Park. Because we, um, uh, how did it go? It's kind of like the Ouija board is like, go to, go to Yosemite Park because some, it's a, it's a crazy story. I I don't really want to get into it, but I'll I'll say this much. I'll save it for another time because it's a really big story. But there was a, uh, we, we discussed this amongst ourselves on the Ouija board that we should go to the uh, Yosemite National Park. And then the next day, um, I think it was the next day, it was either that day or the next day we saw in the paper that this little girl had been killed at Yosemite Park, like that day by a tree falling on a um, uh, cabin. And so we just knew we were supposed to go up there. It was a crazy time. We were doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And we were also, uh, my friend and I, my wife never partook because she was kind of the grounding force but she uh, we were taking psychedelics to get in tune with this spirit world or whatever because they uh psychedelics definitely put you in tune with with that aspect of reality you know do you do you think that they do you think that they put you in tune with that aspect of reality or do you think that that they strip down the comfortable parameters of you know our known world in such a way as to open us up to things that we wouldn't be able to withstand under ordinary perception i i don't know it could be but i mean esp is is more acute and you know when when you're in that state there's a lot of stories about that and 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 you know, sharing thoughts and sharing shared visions and stuff like that happen. And, uh, I just I've always felt like, you know, when you get in that state, you're, you're in the ghost zone or the spirit zone, you know, but anyway, this was towards the end of our adventures. This, however long it lasted, I think, it, I don't remember how long it lasted. I'll have to ask a uh, but, um, <clears throat> I think he said you guys you guys had six months of rigorous training. Right, right. So that was probably the end of this. And of course, we were you know tripping every weekend for a while there. And at this point, we well, I got at the very end of it, I got to a point where I was sort of getting the message like, okay, you you can't keep you know you need to kind of get there without these uh, psychedelics. Um, you need to work on you know meditating and getting in the state of mind with without that um 
and towards <clears throat> at this point this the uh the stuff was really not having that much of an effect on me so we went up there um to yosemite to, to camp for a day or something and uh i had taken some lsd and it didn't hardly did anything it was weird it was like i was seeing the fractal patterns a little bit uh in in nature and you know that goes with the leaves and the rocks and yeah yeah but it really it wasn't it wasn't intense at all and and you know aside from the only saving grace i have for a person who's listening that's skeptical is that my wife didn't take anything and she was there and she saw the same thing i saw so there was that corroboration but that's um, so important too you know yeah for sure so we were up there we took our our zeria board which is our Ouija board and we were kind of like okay what do we do now and uh it said you have to find there's a big hole in the ground you have to find um God, I guess I'm gonna to have to get into it a little bit, but <laughs> and I'm like, oh. you're so you, you're so funny about this. I, I'm just gonna say this really quick. <laughs> it took me three years to squeeze this story out of the three of them, literally making I like to paint monsters. Chet, Lisa, Banky, all of them, and I had to like work them each individually for years in order to get them to actually well, finally just reveal it. And then once they did, it was like this big relief for all of them. But the thing that's funny about it is we couldn't even include ninety percent of it in the movie because it just didn't fit with the movie you know what i mean right. so it's funny for me to watch you now go through these well, go you, through this whole machinations when, as you're when, trying to figure this out when you hear the story you'll you'll know why that i i you know i'm not uh it's not easy to talk about because it makes you sound like a, a crazy person or a, yeah a oh, deluded person <laughs> so anyway uh lisa was also not only the grounding force but she's she's very psychic you know, she's very intuitive. She she has she has precognitive dreams and visions pretty often. Predicts earthquakes all the time and stuff like that. Kind of randomly, but quite a bit. Anyway, so I'm like, okay, how do I uh, how do I find this hole that I have to find? We didn't know what we were doing, or you know, we kind of knew this girl died, and maybe there was her spirit was trapped up there or something, some something crazy like that. And so uh, I said, okay, so how do I find this hole? And she said, I'll just out of nowhere, follow that bird. And she pointed at this bird. And I said, okay. And, and the, <laughs> the bird took off. And so I go <laughs> running after the bird. And I went up across the road, went up into the mountains. And I could still see the bird. And I'm following it. And um, it was really just like something out of a, a movie. And it sounds like it sounds like a scene straight out of uh, one of the Carlos Castaneda books for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I follow the bird, and then all of a sudden I lost the bird, and I was like, shit, I lost the bird. What am I going to do? And then I look down, and there's a big hole in the ground. It was, you know, probably – it was pretty big. It was big enough to sit in because I sat in it, kind of meditated at one point. But um, that's a par part of the story. But anyway, so later that night we went back up. We did the Ouija board, and the Ouija board like, okay, go to the hole, go meditate. And so I had to go up there in the dark by myself, which was scary. <laughs> it was so scary in the middle of the forest in the middle of the night. I had been, you know, I was. <laughs> <laughs> I I was totally, you know, almost completely sober, but I had that weird, uh, you know, perception was a little bit weird still. 
but it wasn't a strong dose in the first place and um i was coming down from it and so i wasn't and you'd been doing it for quite some time so you know yeah, you're not gonna your your serotonin receptor sites are all played out anyway right so uh, I went in and sat in the hall, and then Lisa ended up. I I think I went back, and then Lisa went up with me, and we both had the feeling that there was this presence there, and she's like, "It's coming," and 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 I'm I was like, "What?" We're just kind of it's really scary, and she's like look between those trees and I was looking and there's nothing there. And then all of a sudden there was a figure of a man, which was kind of a reverse, what do I, a, a reverse uh, shadow or whatever, you know, like, like, like inverted. Yeah. Inverted like a, like a backlit person. Like if a person was backlit, so it was, but it was the other way around. It was like a, uh, an outline of a figure, but it was white and it was there for, you know, like, one or two seconds, but it was clear as day right there. And it was probably, oh, I don't know, like 30 feet, 20 feet in front of us. And that to me was the bit, the, the most significant ghost sighting I ever had. Cause it was absolutely, I know I saw it and Lisa corroborated and know she saw it and we both saw the same thing. It was definitely a man. It wasn't a little girl or, or uh, a woman. It was a man standing there. And, uh, uh, that without getting into the rest of the story, which is probably we should do a whole episode on that whole story because it was crazy. I think we should. <laughs> I think we should do a whole episode on that whole period of time in your life, but certainly yeah, down the road, definitely, maybe. definitely, yeah, it's, it's true because there was a lot to it. But anyway, that was that's my my big ghost story. That's that, a great story. Yeah. Do, but uh, without, like you said, going too far into it, um, did you feel that that what you saw? was something that had again like i said before you know a certain cohesiveness or autonomy where it was or that it was aware or or did it just feel like yeah i'm just curious yeah no it felt like a guy standing there and it felt like not it didn't seem ghostly really it's seemed other dimensional or something like it's it looked 2d you know it looked like a cutout like a white cutout of a guy but it was almost like it was made out of light like a cutout of a guy that was pure energy or something. It wasn't fuzzy. It was like a hard cutout, like a like a a hard line around the guy. You know, just like a, it was like a paper cutout of a guy that was glowing white, but it wasn't glowing. You know, it didn't have glows coming off of it. It was just, but it was bright enough to be glowing. It was all pretty much pitch black. We didn't have a flashlight or anything. So that's cool that's that because I, I never i've never asked that before and i was always wondering you know? yeah it was really trippy and i was like oh i saw my first ghost yes finally <laughs> here like one check on the bucket list <laughs> i always my whole life i wanted to see a ghost and i could never see i had a lot of other weird stuff happen but never ghosts you know well you know the one of the other stories that you have that you probably haven't even reconciled was when you came out here for dystopia and we went to that little cemetery and the green wormy thing tried to get you and you like punched my window that was pretty intense oh yeah i forgot about that what was that, that? Was, 
That was intense, dude. It was funny, and I and I remember when it happened. Even well, let me. I'm just gonna tell the story. Tell the story because it's foggy to me, but I do kind of remember that. Yeah, this is kind of a trip. So, so when you know Chet and I, I don't know if you guys know anything about it, so I'll just say it anyway. But uh, I've been writing a field guide for Chet called uh, just well, it's the the name the name of the place is Dystopia with a five D Y five T O P I A, and that is this world that Chet has discovered that he's been painting for 15 plus years. And so we did some kickstarters last year. We got some money to make this field guide and part of that field guide process was to do some road tripping where I would come out to meet up with Chad. We would work on it in LA and then he would come back out here to New Mexico and we'd work on it here. And so we had been – it was the last last day. You and I had gone out driving and we'd been driving all day oh, yeah, and I was we just like showing you the sites. And reference photos of dystopia-like scenes because yeah. you know, there was a lot of abandoned buildings and stuff. Yeah, that big abandoned, uh, that weird big abandoned like uh, logging factory right. or whatever that yeah, we went that to. Was that cool. was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, at the end of it, we hadn't gone to any cemeteries. And Chet's he he likes cemeteries. Got a thing for cemeteries. And we had been to cemeteries in Monrovia taking pictures. Just you know, what a week before that. Right. And so I was like, oh, let me show you a New Mexican cemetery because they're a trip. If you've never seen a New Mexican cemetery, look them up online or come here and check them out because they're totally different than cemeteries anywhere else in the world. So I took Chet into this really old one up in El Rito. And it's like, I mean, there were what? Headstones there from the late 1800s? Yeah, Yeah, really old. And so we we drove around it. We got out. We took some pictures. We're hanging out together. And Chet told me at that point, he was like, this is the most like – energy and like i don't know weird kind of sensation i felt throughout the whole trip right 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 right. because you've always told me that you know there's so much weird energy in new mexico and i've never have had a moment where i was like whoa i'm feeling something you know all that time really yeah until that time right so and he he said that to me yeah and he said it to me when we were standing outside in the cemetery and then we were like okay well let's head back to the house because it's not that far from my house and so we get in the car it's so funny because Chet sits down next to me and I sit in the driver's seat and the windows are up and we get in the car and I start the car and all of a sudden Chet just wigs out and he's like ah, ah, and he like throws his arms out and he's like hitting his hand on the window like kind of violently and I was like dude are you okay and I was worried you know and he was like and oh by the way we weren't on anything either so mm-hmm. just for what it's worth and so and I'm like what'd you see and he's like dude that freaked me out what the fuck and I'm like what and he was like, "There's, there was this like, I don't even know how, I don't even know how to describe it. There was like this green wormy thing that looked like oh, it was like right. dropping down that's the window, right. and it was that's like, right. it, but it looked like it was close to my face, like it was gonna get on my face. You thought it was like a, some kind of a bug or something. So he, like a, yeah, he tells that and, at, and then as he's telling me it, he's he's telling me what he thought it was. He does the whole thing again. He's like." Ah! And he like throws his hand out again, and I'm like, "What, dude?" And he's like, "Dude, that thing. What the? You, you were like, there's this thing, and you're. He's looking over. We're both looking. There's nothing there. I yeah, mean, that we. That was that I could certainly. And it was. And then I was like, "Well, you know, describe what it looked like to me because I was. I wanted him to kind of grab that moment and like, you know, have it. And he just basically described it as like, like you said, like a, a green caterpillary type thing." That was like looked like it was like coming down the window or down the space between you and the window. Yeah, but you like, were like a thread or something. Was Almost, get you or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was well. It seemed like it was right in my face. You know, right to the right of my face, and I definitely saw it. It was weird. It was really, really weird. 
Yeah, and then I saw it again. It was bizarre. I totally forgot was, about that. I'm glad you brought it, it up. so funny because I remember when it happened, I was like – because you started like kind of giving reasons why it could have happened that are logical. Like you kind of like backed away from it and you were like, well, it could have been. And then as you're saying that, it happened again. Yeah, so right. It was so obvious. It was like <laughs> – it would be me. I would like to say that it's the universe being like, no, dummy. You're seeing yeah. something other than what you normally see. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm always – you know, I always try and do that when I – see have experiences trying you know rule out the logical explanations just to try and you know i think it's a healthy way to be because there's so yeah, much yeah. weird stuff that happens all the time well, you could make a you could make an ordinary situ- situation seem weird i mean how do you think magicians do the tricks that they do you know what i mean yeah. it's because they're they're distracting you or confusing you so the mind the mind can go a lot of ways so i think you're right you should look at it and say, okay, let's rule out the things that it could have been. But then in that scenario, it happens so quickly. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm looking right at him when he did it the second time. And I guarantee I saw nothing. Yeah, yeah. But he was like, I thought it was going to get him. I mean, he's like hit his hand on the window well, pretty I hard. <laughs> Imagine a worm floats down in front of your face. You would probably do the same thing. A green worm. I would. I, <laughs> I got to so paint that. Awesome. <laughs> I know that's what I told you. I was like, man, you got to hold on to that because that was like a moment. You had some some kind of paranormal experience there, whatever it was. My memory is so bad. I swear I cannot remember anything. I'm glad that. Well, I'm glad I remembered that. Yeah, I'm glad I have friends who have good memories. <laughs> well, I, you know, I have a couple. I actually have a couple more that I could share. They're not that long, uh, you know, legit quote ghost stories. Um, one of them is from my childhood. And I don't know if you've heard this one, Chad. I was at my friend's house. I, I definitely don't want to – I'm trying really hard to leave people anonymous. Right. You know, I don't think it's fair to bring other people up. But I had a friend who lived in this duplex in the, the area that I grew up in in Shiloh Hills. And he had a single mom and was – so he was kind of a latchkey kid, kind of did his own thing. And he lived kind of in the bad area of, of that town or rather that neighborhood. And uh, so anyway, I was over at his house and we were going to make a haunted house in his basement because he had this super creepy basement. It was like totally not finished and like whoever had been there before had like kind of destroyed it. So there'd be like, you know, sheetrock with all these punch holes and stuff through it and like skeletal, you know, like all the beams and everything. It was really kind of a creepy basement. And so anyway, it was getting to be Halloween and we were like got this whole idea. We always both had wanted to make a haunted house. We're like, we're going to make a haunted house. You know, we had these grandiose ideas of literally people like coming to our haunted house. (laughs) Kind of, you know, ridiculous because you're like, I think I was 11. You know, come on. I did it many times. Don't worry. Yeah. So we went down there. We're starting to try to get everything set up to do this haunted house. And all of a sudden we start hearing this weird sound in the basement and it sounds just like, you know, when a a clock radio goes off, but it's on like the, not on a channel. It's all staticky. It's just mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. there was a sound of static, like a radio alarm clock that's staticking in the room. And we both heard it and we were like, what is that? And it was so loud that we actually started like looking around the room, trying to find where it was originating from. And we kept, you know, and I was like, do you have an alarm clock? Do you have a radio? He's like, no, we're looking around, we're looking around. And then all of a sudden, you hear this kind of like, and it was like a vacuum sound. It was like the, it sounded like the static was being sucked up by a like a, a auditory vacuum in one corner of the basement. It was really weird. I can't. That's like the best wow. way to describe it. And he and I were behind. There's like a set of stairs that came down, and then there was like a partial wall and a partial wall. And this was this back room. And we're at the bottom of the stairs in the other room. We came around and we both look. 
And right in that room, there was like one of those, it's a basement. And then there's those uh, daylight wind or those storm window wells, mm-hmm. you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So you can see like the back, the light from the backyard coming in through mm-hmm. this little gross, dirty pane of window. And right in front of that is this mass of like floating cloudiness, like right in front of that window. Oh, wow. And he and I, he and I both like straight up like looked at each other, like eyes like dish plates, you know, like whoa. And it was just floating right there, and that was where the sound was coming from. Like it had all gone over to this spot, and it was really smoky and kind of ethereal and like wispy. And then all of a sudden, it just goes, and it like it 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 was like it looked at us. Its whole form like turned towards us. And it had a distinctly scary female face. Oh my like, god! Really? It, yeah, and it like it it was like a you know all misty, and then it's all and like looks at us, and it's this like creepy female wow. face. Wow! <laughs> and dude, we we ran up those stairs so fast, we were like literally crawling over each other, you know, to get to the top of the stairs because we were so terrified. Wow! We ran all the way out to the front yard of his house and like flopped down in the grass trying to catch our breath, and we wouldn't go back in his house for like. Like an hour, we were so terrified. Wow! And then we totally aborted the whole haunted house in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> <What's that? laughs> you don't need to create a haunted house; you already have one. It's already, yeah. <laughs> Just put a sign up. That's pretty amazing. Have you ever drawn that face? I'd like to see that face. I've never drawn it. Yeah, you should draw that. Yeah, so that's that was definitely that's a again, good one. A pretty pretty ghostly. I mean, I don't know what else to say. And again, we were both we both saw it. Yeah, you're, yeah. That's the thing is you. Guys we sat outside. He was like, and I. I mean, we did the same thing, kind of go back and forth. Like, well, what did you see? And he was like, oh, it looked like a woman, you know. And wow. I'm like, uh, you know. And I was like, well, it looked really smoky and misty. And he's like, totally, you know. Yeah. So it was that was pretty exciting and scary, of course. So, um, and so then I got it, one more good one. One last thing, does, has he, was he a guy that would see a lot of stuff or was that kind of unusual no. for him? Yeah, well, that's... okay, let's put it this way. He was, he was in my, uh, a group I had at the time called the Horror Club. <laughs> yeah, totally. And uh, nice. it, was, it was him and it was like him and two other kids and me. So it was like four of us. And uh-huh. I made it, of course, the Horror Club. And so he, he was into creepy stuff. So I can't say he wasn't. And but he I mean, was an as artist far like as, As far as seeing ghosts and having experiences like that. He'd never... I he he never talked to me about anything like huh. that. Ever seen one? We always wanted to see one like you. Right. You know, like I'd seen my grandpa, but like we wanted to see like a ghost, ghost. You know, right. and so we had this horror club, and we always wanted to have something like that happen. But then when it happened, we were like, dude, no way! Like I don't want anything <laughs> to do with that. You know, we changed our tune right quick. I'll tell you what. I bet, yeah. <laughs> you know, he was, but he was like a skater, and he was into drawing creepy, monstery, dark art like I was, uh-huh. and you know, so he did have a proclivity to bizarre and strange things. But I don't remember, recall him ever saying anything about having anything paranormal happen to him, right. other than just having that experience with him. Wow, that's pretty. Yeah, cool. pretty intense. Yeah. Now this one, last one, I'll tell you is, is so much less a ghost story in some ways, but it's a great one, and I think you have heard this one before. But nevertheless, uh, it's 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 a great one. So. When I was a kid, my parents took me on like a homes tour and it was on the south the South Hill of Spokane and Brown's edition, which is like a really fancy kind of area. They have these like Kirkland Cutter homes, which is a famous architect from the turn of the century. And mm-hmm. there are these big fancy mansions. And they had um, I at least they were reputed to have uh, secret passageways and hidden doors and things like that because they were these mansions and they had servants quarters and they had servants hallways and things inside of the building where the servants wouldn't be seen and stuff mm-hmm. they would have their own 
always. And so I was like, you know, as a kid, I was all into medieval stuff. And I was like, oh, my God. I, I was like so excited to go on this home tour because I was, you know, in my mind thinking I'm going to like find a candlestick and pull it sideways and the hearth's going to open <laughs> and there's going to be like an alchemy chamber below the floor or something, you know, like I was all excited. So I was asking all the people, all the tour guides, like, are there any, you know, are there any passages? Are there any servants' passages? And there, at this one house, it was kind of a Spanish Bia style house. The guy was like, yeah, there are some, but he had already, I'd kind of picked up where they were at at this point. So I kind of would like, you know, leave the group. I'd like watch and wait until the adults were kind of talking, and then I'd be like, do do do, kind of sneak off, you know. Uh-huh. So I snuck off to this kitchen, and there was stairs that went downstairs, and I could tell that they were servants' quarters stairs, and that was a servants' court. That was a, a, a servants' kitchen, and so because they were all smaller, like all the hallways in these houses were like huge mansion hallways, and then they'd have like what I would consider a normal hallway, like my house, mm-hmm. but those were the servants' hallways, and they were clearly smaller right. than everything. So you knew what they were. So I saw this these stairs that went downstairs and I I had not seen any other floors with secret rooms or or servants rooms at all so I was like ooh and you know the group didn't know I was gone so I snuck down these stairs you know I go down there and I'm like ooh you know and I come around the corner I like I come down to the stairs and there's a wall in front of me and I take a full 180 come around like that and Right in front of me is this whole scene of mannequins. Oh my and they're god! Like, yeah, they're like, and they're they're all wearing like nineteen um, twenties style clothing. Uh-huh. Like the guys are wearing like tweed and like these kind of derby hats, and the women are like wearing like flapper type clothing. Yeah, it's you know, like the big balls to go, to, to go and do that on your own. That's pretty scary. Well, I didn't know it was down there. You know, <laughs> yeah. so it gets way scarier than that. So I come around the corner and at first it seems like really normal. Like, Oh, I mean, not normal, I guess, but it seemed like somehow like, okay, like maybe they had set the room up to like capture an era. Right, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And maybe they showed, I don't know. I just, right, yeah. it didn't seem too weird at first, right. but it was a scene of mannequins. There were multiple males and females. They were all dressed up and they had like feathers and women had like pearl necklaces. And and I'm sitting there looking at them and then all of a sudden I feel like – you ever get that feeling in a room where like it feels like this pressure kind of builds mm-hmm. and it feels like just real uncomfortable and right. heavy and that's kind of how it felt? And all of a sudden I realize as I'm looking at them that they're – that they're, they, they're actually like – people but they're just standing really still they're like oh not God. mannequins at all like at first i thought they were just mannequins but they're just like people and they're like just standing like perfectly still and i'm like oh my you know like i was terrified i mean just absolutely like and i could i kind of did the thing where you can't move like on the cartoon where like uh-huh. the anvil's gonna drop on wiley e. coyote and you're like uh-huh. you know you can't move and then they just start coming towards me like and but their faces never change. They're like plastic faces. Like they look like I, I can't explain it. They look like their faces were mannequin faces, and their expressions are like like stuck that way. Uh-huh. But they're like moving towards me. Their arms start moving out like that, and they start coming towards me. And I just like booked up those stairs like as fast as I could. I mean, I remember I think at the top of the stairs I might have even like ate shit, caught my toes, and like landed on the linoleum, old because I was you know. Terrifying. Yeah. And then I was like, wait, and I was expecting I was going to look back and they'd be like on the stairs behind me, you know? And I look back and there's nothing there at all. And I never went back down that room. I was too scared. And I got back with the group and they didn't even notice I was gone. And then we all left. So there's no way for me to ever dignify it. I had no one there to say whether it happened. Right. You know what I mean? Aside from me. But it was like, that's one of those moments in my life that is kind of stands alone as like the level of fear because. 
it seemed just like these mannequins, but then I could tell that they were not, they were like alive. So it's <laughs> supposedly so somehow you know, like paranormal, like how else could something like that happen? Right. You know, I know I didn't imagine it. I know it happened, right. but, you know, that much for sure. But it fucking terrifying, you know? Yeah. And also just bizarre. Totally. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's like right out of a twilight zone episode or something. Right. Did, did was there any other, uh, did they seem physical? Was there any transparency or any, anything like that with the figures? The, the mannequins? Yeah. Did no, they seem... no, they look totally like they absolutely look <clears throat> just like you look right to me now or my cup looks on the desk. Yeah. Like, Cause that, that, that's, that's like that, that, that's, you know, one, one of the ways that I think spirits or whatever they are, People people experience them as just like another person in the room, like with substance. Yeah, you know that's that's, that's a that's a trippy thing. That's yeah, a- one it was really weird too to see them go from this kind of like they've just so clearly looked like I think when I first came downstairs. I just assumed they were mannequins mm-hmm. because I knew they they couldn't be people. Right. And right. so then it was like the taunting of realization that when I'm like, have, oh my even god. Even seeing the manic even seeing them as mannequins would scare the shit out of me though. Did it scare you when you first saw them? As and you I thought they were mannequins? I was surprised. Yeah, Damn. I was surprised. I because it I seemed weird like what the room looked like. It looked like they had – but it wasn't like – it would be scarier if they were just like naked mannequins or like they weren't dressed up. But they were posed. It was like a scene that had been posed, like multiple characters in positions with like hats and jewelry uh, and so clothes. Weird. How many And like, how many of them do you think? Four. Oh, there was four. Uh, four. There were two men and two women. Oh, my God. That is scary as hell. Yeah, and there and there was a window. There was like a bay window behind them, like a long bay window, and it looked down over the Spokane River. And you could see, I could see past them out the window, and there was a lot of light coming in the room. So it wasn't like a dark room; it was a very well daylit room, right. like middle of the day, sun sunshine coming in the fucking window. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's not like oh, you're in some dark area, and maybe your eyes played a trick on right. you. It's like it was, you know, you could see the room perfectly, and it wasn't like a a room where maybe they were using a storage where there was like a bunch of jumbled stuff. There was like a table in there that was set up with chairs. It was like a scene. It was like a circa era scene. Like someone had set that room up to show it off in that manner. That's wow. how it felt and looked when I walked in. And then, like I said, this kind of dawning of awareness of like these things, these, those are people. They're just like <laughs> really holding super still. And then that, then that sensation of being in a room with four people, four adults and right. you're this 11 year old kid. And they're like, but their faces aren't, their expressions aren't changing. Yeah, but that you is can the feel that they're alive, and they <laughs> start like the just kind of coming part. at you. Oh my god! Oh my god. Yeah, I, I seriously, that was one of those moments where, like, I probably was lucky I didn't just pee my pants. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> then I would have really felt stupid. Yeah, that's amazing. That's a good one. Did you tell me that one before? I know you kept telling me about the mannequin story, but I don't remember hearing that one. That one's, I mean, that one's in uh, emails from infinity, my book for oh, sure. Okay. But I don't know that I've ever told you the story. I mean, it's like I said, I, it's in there, but, uh, I've had other mannequin experiences, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to save those for another time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I should have, I should have hit up, uh, Lisa before, before we did this because she's got a million crazy ghost stories. Like, uh, the one with the, uh, the, the boogeyman in the chair that's in the documentary as well, where she saw that dude in the zoot suit with the weird creepy face and 
had the little horn sticking out where his third eye was. I don't know if we mentioned that in the doc or not, but um, I don't I don't know if you did or not. Either. Yeah, he was made up of little points of light, but she was five years old, I think, and she was with her friend. Her friend did not see it. That's what was weird is she started freaking out. She just saw this guy sitting there, and it wouldn't go away in this old creepy chair that they had. But that house, she said that house was built um, – on a swamp or something she would see stuff all the time in that house you know it was uh, it was uh really intense she she saw just more of the the otherworldly kind of things rather than ghosts you know like she would see and come up out of the uh uh the the bathroom sink she said there's this purple bathroom that all this weird stuff happened but she would see this thing come out of the uh sink out of over the side not i don't think out of the drain but over the up over the side like it would peek its head up and and she you know back when we were first she told me about it when we were first getting together she kind of had me do a drawing of it describing it to me but it it was it was like a a turtle shell it was a she calls it the turtle spider and it had spider legs and a turtle shell and the head was like a little doll head made out of silly putty and it had a smile on it and these black Super eyes. Super creepy. Yeah. It kind of sounds like some of the, the, the stuff that you mentioned, your, your doe faced guy that was with the yeah. red hair that was following you, but it was a little well, turtle spider. That's, that, you've told me that before. And every time it just strikes me as like really disturbing for some totally reason. disturbing, <laughs> Got like a cartoony face, but she saw, she's seen a lot of stuff like that. Well, and for me, I mean, I mentioned in the – again, if the dream episode I think is going to come out before this, I mentioned this thing that I call the something. And and for me that – you know, we've I've, we've talked a little bit about the fact that that – you know, the line between dreaming and out-of-bodies and waking, mm-hmm. ordinary reality, non-ordinary reality, so on and so forth. But for me, the something was like very much something that was uh, was a thing that was – did follow me and was – invested in fucking with me mm-hmm. on whatever level, waking or dreaming. And and so I've had, you know, these experiences just kind of went on and on and on for me long into my, you know, my adolescence and then my teen years. I mean, I remember I used to have this thing that would happen where I'd be laying in bed. Like we're kind of getting into that a little bit, but I'd be laying in bed and I'm trying to go to sleep. I'm not asleep yet. And then all of a sudden this thing would start floating up from like if you're laying on your back and you're just looking at the ceiling and this is older this is like 15 14 15 mm-hmm. and this thing would float up from beside me uh, where I'm at in bed and it would looked like the best way to describe it is like a chandelier that's like maybe uh, organic like a jellyfish with concentric circles within concentric circles that are turning in opposite directions Ooh, that's cool and it's like slick and electric so that's why i say it looks like a jellyfish but it's also like a chandelier and it's pyramidal in shape and it's got all these dangly things that are dangling off of it and it like scares me like i don't want it to touch me and it's floating up from over here like this and i can see it and i'm like oh god i like just really like creeped out that it's gonna somehow touch me and it would float up over me and come down really close like those things were gonna touch me and then go back up and back up and like and it would. That's why I said in the last episode it had a lot of disguises because it was the same thing. It was right. the exact same energy as the something, but it just looked like something different. Right. And even later in my life, I guess this would have been seven years ago. So when I was like thirty, I had the same thing happen in a bedroom where I was in bed and I was trying to go to sleep. 
and this wad of like fuzzy shit flew in the door and flew around and flew right up to my face and it landed in my mouth and I inhaled it. <laughs> and, it oh, and, and it was like and it was like a ball of dust is what it felt like and looked like and it just like but it was aware. It was like right. I could tell it intentionally flew in, flew over and hit me right in the mouth and it was like Pah! and oh, it was like God. all dusty and all these particles I could feel them like going down into my lungs. And that kicked me straight into like one of my crazy, super lucid dreams. But anyway, you know, so I've had these really weird experiences with what, you know, that the something or whatever for many, many years. And it's hard to know whether to delineate or to try to say, well, it's this thing or it's that thing or, but no matter what, it has that same feeling as the other things that I've seen that are kind of like predatory energies. Cause like my grandpa being dead, that was a very beautiful, loving experience. Whereas like the thing in the basement of my friend's house was not like it. I've, we were terrified. Like it's going to kill us. I don't know what it's going to. Well, that's, that's, that's like the other uh, story that Lisa told in the documentary about that black thing and that came out of the uh what armoire thing that yeah you know basically uh came out of it and and went up into the what did it, it went to the four four corners of the room it went up in the yeah. ceiling in the four corners and it was kind of i think the way she described it was a, a black figure that had like wings kind of like wing yep. shape yep and it was definitely had that evil feeling to it as well well, and then the anecdote to that story, of course, is that the people at that house had that weird armoire, and it turned out that it was owned by someone who had been like a crazy kind of Satanist type person because right. there were all kinds of weird dark ritual items and things yeah. inside of it. Yeah. yeah, and just so you guys know, in regard to all these stories that we're telling you, you're, you definitely want to see the documentary and see the B-roll that we did with this stuff because we got, you know, like for this for instance, the Boogeyman story that Chet touched upon, we actually have, you know, shots of the original drawing he did and then shots of the original painting he did. Oh, yeah, and, that, that's part you know, of the story is that. All this great, great B-roll that goes along with it. Right. Because that is part Stop of the stop action animation scene that I did for Lisa's haunting stories. Right. Pretty fun. Yeah, yeah. But that that was part of the story I didn't mention that's in the documentary is that I did before I knew Lisa, before we got together, my friend told me about her and the story and that I my first airbrush painting I I I, I painted the boogeyman and she said it looked exactly like the boogeyman she saw, which was pretty cool. That was like a weird cosmic thing, you know. Anyway, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think that's pretty good. Maybe we can come back to this if uh, there seems like that you have a lot more stories and and, and I, I, I know I have more stories, so maybe later we could come back again one day and do more spirit stuff. but yeah, you I see how the, part too. These things do overlap a bit as well. you know it's really I'm noticing that a lot of these stories overlap. <laughs> you know? yeah, they do absolutely. and that's and that's kind of why I went ahead and, and went into that territory of talking about the something because it does show that there is there's no there you know there's no clean point where you can say, well, this is this and this is that. It's right. all very murky. It's all very gray. you know, these black and white areas are very few and far yeah, between. That's, and most of it's murky waters in the middle right you know? right. That's the uh, the world of duality, the illusion of duality that we live in. Yeah, absolutely. So okay. Well, yeah, this was this has been a fun one though. I really enjoy getting to share these stories with you, and I hope that people also enjoy these stories. And if you do enjoy these stories, and furthermore enjoy this podcast, we would love it if you guys would head over to iTunes and rate and review us because that helps us get on the front page and get sponsored and look good and get more views, and then we have more exposure and ultimately more fans, and therefore we can afford to do this for you guys because, as you know, it's free. Right. 
and uh, uh, please, if you if you feel so inclined, come, go by uh, chetzar.bigcartel.com, and if you want to, you could buy something, and that will help support um, this podcast as well because we're just doing it out of the goodness of our hearts. Yep, and and you've heard a bunch of stories from Chetzar. I like to paint monsters. You can definitely get that. At his website, oh. chetsart.bigcartel.com. Also, uh, leave comments, too, because we want to know what you think. And also, ideas for future episodes would be great, because I'm yeah. curious to hear what, you know if you guys are digging what we're talking about and if there's other things that you'd like to hear. Because, you know, it's going to be a wide range. It's not just going to be paranormal stuff. There's going to be, you know, I'd like to do an episode on art marketing or art techniques and, and, and you know, different artists we love and music and film and Stephen King and, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to, you know, the, so far it seems like just from our debut, people are really positively responding to it. And so I can't imagine us not continuing to do this and covering a, an incredible wide amount of topics in the process of, you know, doing it. I paid for a year up front on SoundCloud, so we got to do it at least for a year. <laughs> yeah, and by, and and speaking of which, y'all can hit us up on SoundCloud, and that's going to be SoundCloud.com forward slash Dark Art Society. You can subscribe to us there, and you can also leave comments as well. Anything you can engage in, sharing it on social media, all that stuff really helps us to get exposure. So thank you again for tuning into this and enjoying it, and uh, for all your engagement on the uh, social media side of things. Yes. So uh, I'll talk to you soon, Mike. I'll talk to you next time. And I'll- awesome. Sounds great. Well, we look forward to bringing you another episode soon. Yeah, and and we also were talking about maybe getting into some guests here. So we'll, yeah. we'll keep you guys informed. Watch your watch your Facebook and your Instagram and stuff to see what's going to be happening coming up. Yeah. All right. Have a good one. Awesome. Yeah. Take care. Thanks, Chet. Take care, guys. Bye.